Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. For those of you who are following along the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1002. Page 1002 in the Pew Bibles. We'll be reading from the New King James Version. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Good morning. It is good to see all of you here this morning. We appreciate uh, your being here. It's exciting to come to this building and to gather with fellow friends and brothers and sisters. And we're excited for you to be here, especially this morning. If you're a guest, if you're here for the first time, we're really excited about that. We thank you for coming. Uh, Today is something we call Bible Class Emphasis Day, and we're just emphasizing the importance of Bible class and the importance of our attending Bible class, and the things that we can learn from Bible class. And it does us so much good to open up the book, the holy inspired word of God, and to read and to meditate and to think and to study and to become better people by doing so. So we appreciate you joining us here today. If you are a guest here and you do not have a Bible, we want you to know that they're provided for you, as it's already been mentioned on the pew right in front of you, And as we go through this lesson today, uh, you'll see in parentheses the numbers, the page numbers as the scriptures uh, that we're referring to are located in that Bible. And then before you leave today, we'd like for you to please come down front and take one of these Bibles if you don't have one. Now there's a box of Bibles here on the stage and several have already been taken from first service guests. We want you to definitely have a Bible uh, or two for your family if you have more than one or several in your household. And we encourage you to read the Bible. And when you start reading this book, it will work in your life, and you will have questions. And we invite you to come back here and join us again and come to our Bible classes. And hopefully, uh, we will have answers to those questions. And if we don't, we will study together, and we will definitely learn more about what God has in store for us. So again, we thank you. Uh, The sermon title for this morning is Jesus, My Best Friend like to ask for you to think about your friends that you had as a kid. Think about the friends that you had when you were growing up. Think about the friends that you had in high school. And now think about the friends that you've had as you have become an adult. I've welcomed you as a guest and I also want to welcome you as just that, as a friend. But before we get into the lesson, what exactly is a friend? So I could obtain a true and accurate understanding of this word friend, what is a friend. I um, consulted with some of the experts that I have contact with on this topic. And the first one that I consulted with was Mr. Landon. He's two, year old, he's two years old. And I went up to him and I said, Landon, I said, what is a friend? And the first thing he said was, huh? I said, Landon, what is a friend? He said, I don't know. I said, that's okay, buddy. I decided to add three years to my 
expertise in the household. And I came upon Miss Ella Diane, and I said, Ella Diane, what is a friend? And she said, someone who you like and you always play with. I thought that was an excellent answer for a five-year-old as to what a friend is. Well, things are going pretty good for me as I add three years. So I went to Mr. Judson, and I said, Judson, what is a friend to you? And Judson said, someone who wouldn't usually let you down. I was intrigued by that, and we'll come back to it. Someone who wouldn't usually let you down. Well, as you know, there's another member of, uh, of my family, and I was very, very eager to hear the response of this family member, so I uh, walked out the back door and down the steps, and I said, Sammy, what is a true friend? And Sammy, his response is, isn't everybody my friend? If you get within two feet of this dog, the wagging tail, if you don't feel like you're being caned, you will understand that he is definitely trying to be your friend. We won't spend any more time on this slide, but it is a very interesting correlation of servanthood. This dog will do anything for me and my family and man's best friend. So we'll come back to that at another time. You know, when we hear the word friend today, it is almost impossible to not think about Facebook. This is my Facebook page, and many of you are trying to see yourselves on here right now. It's very interesting to note that I think there's 6, 12, 18, there's 24 friends there that are in that grid, and I'm very happy to, to uh, mention that 20 of them are, are Christian brothers and sisters, and the others are friends of mine uh, from different areas of life, maybe high school or a, a neighborhood friend. But... It's interesting to note that in the last seven years since Facebook was invented, the word friend has actually become a verb. Friend used to be only a noun, but now you can friend someone. You can actually friend someone. But my question for us today, and especially if you're a Facebook member with 1,300 so-called friends, not to take away from that, my question is, are the people that you're connected with on Facebook your true friends? Are they your true friends? Friendship is a beautiful, beautiful word. We can see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we can see in James, the New Testament chapter 2, that God refers to a person just like you and I, a person that was flesh and blood, whose feet actually walk the earth, the same earth that we walk. A real, living, and breathing person with a heart in his chest, and his name was Abraham. God refers to Abraham as a friend of his. How awesome is it for the person that created the universe and spins the world into its orbit and pulls the ocean and pushes the ocean to call someone just like us, a friend of his. How do we get there? How do we get to that point in our lives where we are considered a friend of God's? Someone once said that friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? 
I thought I was the only one. A point of connection between two people, a common interest or an experience or a common ground. Sometimes we don't realize how much we really have in common with one another. I'm always reminded of this when I attend a memorial service of one of our dear friends who has passed. And the person who is delivering the the message at the funeral service will be talking about different parts of their life, the things that they were involved with, the things that they did. And I always have a connection at those services. Something is always mentioned, and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have known that. I would have liked to have shared that story with them or talked with them about that. You know, there are many guests in this room today. There always are on Sundays. And you may be thinking right now, do I have anything in common with the people around me? I can assure you that you do. No matter what your occupation, what your interests are, what your background is, what your challenges may be, there is someone here that can relate to you. And if you are a first-time guest in this room this morning and you were in California last week as a stand-in at the Oscars, we actually have one of those here too. So there is somebody that you can relate to in this room. It's neat. The majority of the people in this room are Christians. We have unity, we have one body, and we work together through the bonds that grow from the love that Christ has for us. Jesus teaches us how to be a true friend by his example of unconditional, unfailing love. So much so that he was willing to die on a cross for us so that we might be saved. As a matter of fact, it was sort of a coincidence this morning in first service, and then again, it sort of wasn't. Because when you're brothers and sisters in Christ, things like this just happen, and it's really neat. We're going to sing a couple of songs together right now. And it's really neat because Philip and I had no previous conversation of this before I was going to speak this morning. I just asked him if he would lead singing today since I was going to be preaching. And uh, he picked out two of the songs that I picked out. It's neat how things happen like that when you're all working together for the good of the Lord. Could we sing these songs together just as we did earlier? We are one in the Spirit.
It's neat how things work together as Christians, as Christian brothers and as Christian sisters. It is neat. It's neat to see how the Lord blesses you in, in our walk together in this life. Yet, let me address one thing before we move further. Even Christians aren't perfect friends. I'll take you back to what Judson said when I asked him, Judson, what is a friend? And he said, someone who wouldn't usually let you down. Even those that are seeking to be like Christ will sometimes fail us. And that's just part of life. We've mentioned Facebook. In Facebook, at work, in our business dealings that we have every day, sometimes we build a friendship with someone because we see something that they can do for us. Even some of the best human friendships are flawed. But that brings us to the best friend that we could ever have. The only one who will never, ever, ever let you down is the man who died for you. And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's let's look at some scripture together here as we talk about Jesus. I'll just reference and paraphrase the first scripture, which is Matthew, the 11th chapter, and verse 19. In this scripture, it states and it shows that Jesus was a friend to tax collectors and sinners. He was a friend to those back in the day that were deemed as maybe not popular or attractive or people that others may not want to be around all of the time. I didn't stop Jesus. We're all sinners, and he is a friend of all of us. In 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then in the book of John, chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses 13 through 16. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. 
But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. As mentioned earlier, the scripture tells us that Jesus was a friend to the tax collectors. He was a friend to the sinners. He didn't choose those who were influential, influential, who were rich, who were powerful, who had status. He didn't choose those people to be his friends. He was a friend to all. As was already read during the scripture reading, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let that sink in. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not that we are, we're doing everything so wonderfully and we're this polished brass and that everything is just perfect in our lives and and we're seen as right, and we're seen as perfect, there are no flaws. He says that we're sinners. He knows that. He understands that. But even though we are sinners, he still chose to die for us. If you've ever had a friendship, then you know what it's like for the good and bad things to happen in that friendship. But this is the true friendship that we have always wanted. A friendship that will never let you down and will always lift you up. During the good times and the bad, this friend loves us the same. So, It makes it interesting to think that if we have a friend that is this concerned about us and if a friend that is this engaged in us and he knows that we are sinners and he knows the the bad things that happen in our lives, how do we treat such a friend like that? How do you honor and treat a friend such as Jesus Christ? In John 15, verses 11 through 14, which you've already read, it states that we should try our best to be like him. Try our best to obey his will for our lives. How do we do better at that? We come around other people just like this who are Christians, who are maybe more mature, more experienced, more spiritually mature, who under things better than we, than, than we do. We learn. We come to Bible class. We open up the living word of God and we study it. We try our best to be like him. And we try our best to obey his will for our lives. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, we learn that we should live for him. Everything that we do, every decision that we make, we should make it with Christ in mind. Everything that we do, we should do what's most pleasing to him. And then in Proverbs and Psalms, we see great examples of treating Christ as you would and should treat 
our other friends. There are many examples of friendship in the Bible. However, the best example is Christ. And this is going to seem amazingly simple. But let me say it anyway. If you don't have that true friend today, if you don't have that true friend right now in your life, you can change that in the next five minutes. You can have the best friend that you've ever had. If you don't have him, you can change that 